We well, got to talk can't. about. We got to talk about our 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 soon to be boy. He's not. All right. Well, we've got. I mean, we know what we're asking. But do you have anything else? I mean, do we, I, are we want, do... I always need to know what my first thing is, or else I, or else I'm like, uh, so uh, tell me about uh your uh. There in music video land. My name is Adam Fairholm, and uh, coming at you from beautiful, sunny Raleigh, North Carolina. And then we have Douglas Klinger, as he likes to be credited on music videos, coming at you from Boynton Beach, Florida. How are you, Doug? I am super good. How are you, Adam? <laughs> A little behind the scenes this is our like fourth time trying to start the podcast. Doing this exact part. This All right. Is, this is take four of this exact portion. <laughs> But we we're needed doing to get, good. We needed to get it right because this is. I'm excited about who we have on the podcast today. His name is Thomas uh, Thomas McMahon, um, and he's a, a, a music video director, a, a graphic designer, a, a director, animator, um, tons of things. He's uh, directed uh, one music video for Autolux, the Science of Imaginary Solutions, which you should definitely check out. It is an all animated video, which is just really. Um, visually stunning and uh, a really fantastic music video um but he was also the uh, lead designer and animator on a few award shows you might have heard of such as the 2010 and 2011 mtv uh, music video awards um, plus the country music awards and the 83rd not last not this past uh, weekend but the weekend before um oscars so um, uh, he definitely has uh, a really interesting perspective on the whole, uh, you know, MTV VMAs are, are a huge institution in, in terms of music videos. So um, he will be coming up later in the show. Really excited to talk to him. Right. It's, it's right to be uh, excited about the interview, um, but it's also right, right to, to be a little bitter, to feel, have a feeling of bittersweetness. That's right, cause, in you because Davy Jones died this morning, which is sad. Um, if I'm sure, if you've looked at the news, you know who Davy Jones is. He was part of the Monkees, and uh, he that or if you're a 55 year old woman, you knew already. Oh, you totally knew already because he's always listed like at, and I don't understand this honestly. He's always listed at the top of like Teen Idol kind of things, which is weird. I, I don't understand it because if you watch like the monkeys, because they're popular in the 60s, if you watch them on a video, he's significantly short. He stands at six out like a sore thumb because all of them were American. Uh, he's not for, your type. Is that what you're saying? He's not your type? I guess the short Brits are not my type. No. I enjoy British females. Lily, sorry. Lily Allen. Sorry, sorry, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> uh, but I, hate, Adam, I hate Ricky Adam's Gervais. Not, Can't stand Adam's Ricky not Gervais. Interested. Speaking of crappy award shows, the award shows that Thomas is not involved in, like the Golden Globes and all that crap. What does Ricky, what does Ricky Gervais do the hosting for the Golden Globes? Uh, that and he also does the Ricky Gervais show. Right. Podcast. Anyway, well, we should, you know, we mentioned uh, the Monkees because they were uh, on, they had a TV show. They were pretty much a TV show in several senses of the word called The Monkees. In the 60s, which was very popular and uh, was significant because it uh, was had a lot of performances of their music, music, uh, but in a narrative context. Because it was kind of, have you ever seen a, a, an episode of it? It was a very narrative show. John Lennon apparently um, said that they were the Marx Brothers of their time. Uh, and they definitely had the comedic strain to them. It was a comedy show, and, you know, kids would watch it. But so when they did, like, music video, like, performances, it, it was in, you know, uh, kind of a narrative context. So you got, like, you know, different shots of different things going on. It was it was very much a precursor to, uh, to the current modern music video. And it, it, they, the monkeys themselves were also kind of a precursor to something that, that most, uh, most people now are very used to, which is a band that is assembled... Um, kind of like 
with a Craigslist ad, like essentially <laughs> just like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, not, not like people who, you know, have, you know, grew a relationship together and knew each other and had a, you know, had, um, you know, chemistry with each other, you know, just like we need a sexy drummer man and let's, let's find him and make him the sexy drummer of our band. And that's kind of the sexy, funny drummer. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I'm, I think I've run out of my ability to use the word sexy on this episode. Um, well, you have a few quotas for every episode, and we're having the word sexy in there as one. Um, but you're right, the monkeys were sort of uh, assembled, such as in the way, you know, the Backstreet Boys and th- things like that. Um, but, you know, a lot of bands have started with ads. Um, the Killers, I believe that um, the guitarist, I can't remember his name, I think he placed an ad for other band members. Brandon Flowers and the other guys um, followed suit. And also, my favorite of all time, U2, um, Larry Mullins Jr., the drummer, placed an ad in their school for band members and the current members of U2, plus several others who are not current members of U2, uh, replied to the ad. Just a little tidbit in there. Those are the band members, the musicians looking for other people to... Play music with in the in the case of the monkeys and in in sync and in uh you know a lot of the boy bands and R and B groups of the early nineties and stuff it was just like some like fat guy like I want to make a boy band or I want to make a monkeys what uh <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and just true. and just collect and just kind of collecting them in a box um, and then putting them out. You have a little bit of a cynical view of this. I, you know the cynic of the monkeys. I guess it's unfair on the day that uh, Davy Jones died to uh, to be cynical of the monkeys. It, it's not intended to be. I'm just saying that they the 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 music was not necessarily secondary, but equally as important as other aspects. When that wasn't necessarily the case, you know, originally. I'm pretty sure you two. Um, you know, would have been assembled if still if the dudes looked differently. Right. Now, when I was watching, I watched an, oh, some old clips of the monkeys, and I was watching, uh, f- you know, a few songs, and I thought, this looks like a music video, kind of. But then, you know, the music would stop, and then the sitcom would continue. So, uh, you know, it, it it's interesting to think about, you know, is that a, a music video in the strict sense of the word? I think that's one thing we have yet to do is define, you know, strictly what a music video is. Because especially nowadays, and even back then, the lines are continually blurred in ever confusing ways. Um, uh, yeah, a, a perfect example of that blurred line is is the video that's currently at the top um, of the filmed insert homepage. Which I'm gonna pull up and then tell you the name of. Uh, do you, uh, 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 which is "Do Your Thing" by the Gorillas, featuring Andre 3000, and there's got to be another featuring artist because it's three artists. I don't think that's a rule, though. We're talking about the um, the Converse little music video thing that they do. Which I thought do- it was. I thought it, it was the rule because the when the. I thought when the um, campaign originated, it was three artists, one song campaign. Now, I don't know. Now, we should just give a, some quick background on this. We're talking about the... Yeah, you give your background, and I go, so I'll go. i search for the information that proves you wrong. Go. Okay. So, Converse has this thing called the Converse. And I've we've been trying to figure this out for a while because they don't have any, like, they don't have a page that says, hey, this is what we're doing. Because I think their goal is to make you confused about what this is. Um, but they act as a producer of sorts of getting artists together and making a music video and um, kind of releasing it through the lens of Converse. So there's nothing in the video, you know, necessarily that is um, that says Converse, but they're kind of the people that, that get them together. And the well, there's, in- Converse, there's Converse shoes all over the room in the house and stuff. Yeah, but the Gorillaz one is different because Gorillaz have like, they have a Converse line of shoes. But the um, there is in the other videos, however, in the um, in the in the Matt, the one with Matt and Kim, Soldier Boy and um, Andrew WK. Right, on a, um, I'm a goner. 
yeah, I'm a goner. That that's got uh like Converse in the whole video and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, Converse clearly make a big point. And also, uh, do you think is Gorillas, Andre three thousand, and James Murphy, mm-hmm. FYI. So I I do believe that it is a three artist. Okay. Yeah, because check out the official launch for Converse newest three artist one song titled "Do Your Thing" featuring Gorillas. So it's it's like a it's clearly a campaign that they're putting it out, and 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 we have to assume that any campaign with a brand behind it is you know ultimately intended to sell shoes. But I uh, if the question is whether or not it's a music video. Um, it's tough to say because, you know, ultimately the Miles Fisher, um, the Miles Fisher Saved by the Bell music video, uh, directed by Dave Green, which I wish I could remember the name of the song, but that, that was intended to sell, uh, Final Destination 5, but we're still counting it as a music video. So, um, you know, why, why, because it's selling a movie and, and this one's selling shoes, you know, as long as it's, you know, I think it still still exists in a space that makes it not just a full-on commercial. I mean, I think that there are, you know, I'm not saying that every every commercial that has a song in it is in a music video, but I think in these cases, these do exist on the music video side. I want, and so uh, essentially, what I've done is uh, helped none in establishing this line. Well, I think that sometimes we can be a little bit unfair to music videos, right? In the sense that, um, you know, an artist can, in a song, can mention a product or something like that and a, a rap or something like that and get paid and we still consider it uh, a song. With Somehow there's, if somebody's paying for a music video because there's nothing really... Um, inherently music video-y about just have you know pairing you know a song with with um music you know i think what one of the the big things that advertisers are and rightly so figuring out is that you know a lot of i think you and me rarely see commercials um you know i don't i don't have cable uh, if i watch broadcast tv it's a very few shows um, I watch a lot of things on the internet and Hulu and things like that. Um, and I mean, you you, have, you must have a DVR and you just bubble through those commercials, right? Uh, absolutely. I don't call it bubbling. Oh, I call bubbling because of the TiVo sound. But you probably don't have a TiVo. You yeah. Probably, do you have a TiVo? No, but it still it makes a it makes a funny sound like that. But I I don't call it bubble. Um, but I get it. I yeah, get it. So the thing is, is that you know how do you bring how do you like draw in eyeballs? So if you if I'm Converse, right? Uh, and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? There's, if people are, if a lot of, you know, more of the younger demographic are not seeing commercials, then how do I do that? Well, one way is, um, you know, I hear the um, Andrew W.K. Soldier Boy, Matt and Kim song on the radio, which I did. And I thought, this is interesting. I like the song. And then I go and find the music video online. Then it just happens to be associated with a converse. They're doing a smart thing by not, really providing any like straight information on uh what their whole campaign is or that this is part of their campaign there's no like like boom converse at the end like brought to you by converse um (laughs) boom converse it's it's not even like it's not it's not even like uh pass the cavassier or anything like that you know what i mean or like uh you know what i mean like they don't even say the word converse maybe they do maybe soldier boy does at some point because i think he lacks creativity but uh uh <laughs> he's like con he's like i can picture him sitting there with like a, a he's like i'm gonna pad. write a verse about converse <laughs> and then can i just do that <laughs> it's the name of the podcast right there i i'm on the side that um you know advertisers like like converse and like a few of the other, like especially like final destination five when they're interacting with music videos in a commercial way and from from our experience, what we've seen, they don't seem to be really diluting the um, art of the music video that much. They seem to be, you know, doing it justice. They're not turning it into a long form commercial. And I think that's that's really, um, I you know, I, I don't know if it's beneficial for them. If that kiss campaign's been going on since two thousand eight for f- four years, so it might, must be doing something right. At, to that point, I mean, let me ask you this: Is um, is 
Matt and Kim and Soldier Boy any less of a commodity than Final Destination Five? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, is 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 Matt and Kim and Final Destination Five not exactly the same? Essentially, for I mean, if you want to go out and buy Final Destination Five, and you or you want to go and buy Matt and Kim music, where do you go? Uh, I go to iTunes if I'm Adam Farrell. In both it. In both ca- in both cases, right, right. So a music video is selling, yeah. A, a music vid asking a music video to sell an artist or to sell a movie mm-hmm. is 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 basically asking it to do the same thing, and in, and asking a music video to sell a shoe and sell a movie is kind of similar too. Because to go and buy a, a pair of Converse, you know, you would go to a their poorly designed website that's one click over from the website that you just bought your Matt and Kim CD from. Um, and in the case of Converse, you're actually buying your Matt and Kim song from the Converse website, right? They provide the song for free download. They do, I believe. On their web, on the Converse website, probably. Right, and that's how they get your your eyeballs in there, yeah. Uh, you know, the the difference, the the what makes it different is the approach of the director. You know what I mean? It's uh. You know, because there are music videos that exist that are artistic, and that that uh, and then there are music videos that exist that are clearly just intended to try to like sell the artist as something that they're not. You know what I mean? Like, well, not necessarily that they're not, but I mean, it, well, it, or just try to try to. It, it, you know, there's a difference between a music video that is something interesting to watch, and there's one that's just trying to sell the song. That is true. I, um, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, the difference between, like, uh, fast food commercials and car commercials and, I don't know, remember the uh, Chipotle commercial from the uh, from the Super Bowl? Was it the Super Bowl? Or oh, I think maybe it was, it, the, the, it was the Grammys. You're talking about... The with the with the Willie Nelson song with the Willie Nelson song, them covering cold him co- covering Coldplay. Yeah, right, right. And it reminds me of a quote of um, I think Bono said it, and he's probably paraphrasing somebody else, but this is where I, I heard it from, where he's talking about you know the fact that art doesn't necessarily need to lack that commercial element. You know, he can see hear a song, you know, or or see something visual and just really appreciate it and, and find it beautiful for its art and then you know it it's it, and realize it's selling him um a burrito or something like that in the case of the chipotle commercial where in the case of let's say a burger king commercial um the uh you know the emphasis is all on the you know the the image um and there's, I think there's a little bit less of an art to that, you know. If it's a, if it's a burger, you know, the lengths that they will go to, to make it look perfect, to make, you know, the sauces. You know, everybody's heard of these stories of, you know, the sauces glue or something like that. And right, people, like these people have all these painting yeah, on stuff, right? Or charbroiled. How every car commercial is, you know, one of three concepts uh, where the car is barreling down the road in in the desert or some other fancy location. There, I think there's there's a there's a difference there that is a, that is a little bit translated to music videos because on one hand, that Chipotle commercial is still selling Chipotle burritos. Um, in a way but that, enter- but it's entertaining, right? But the th- yeah, and then there is there could be a music video that is just for the art. I mean, that is, um, you know, made with those ideals in mind. The people making it maybe not don't even really think they're making a commercial, but in a way that is a, still a, com- a commercial for that artist. A- right. And in the same Definitely. way that you can make a you can make a music video that's like a like a Burger King commercial. Where you know the artists are shellacked up to to be the image that they wanted to that they're portraying on their album cover or that the artist the label wants to. I hope we're not being too cynical, but I think that there is a little bit of there's there's always a range and there's a there, there's a big range in music videos, but I think there's a lot of leeway in what we can call a music video. It's like the, you know a ton of a ton of kids make music videos for their bat mitzvah, but we're not gonna put we're not gonna put those on uh, filmed insert. Right, and that's a yeah. That's the extreme end of the spectrum. Although that those videos are very entertaining, let's not confuse that um, that fact. But I think that's another line. Like, where's the line between the video that a kid makes for his bat mitzvah and a Rebecca Black video? You know, you're right. Um, 
because I think we can call the Rebecca Black video. I mean, when it was originally made, if you know the story behind it, it was kind of just like a van. They're called vanity videos. Um, just like Lulu.com is a vanity printer. If you write a book, you can go get it printed, um, and you know have a copy you can hold in your hand. But not necessarily people outside of your friends and family are are probably not going to buy it. Um, but, but Friday was made as something to just exist as a music video, not to sell Friday. It wasn't even available on iTunes when it blew up. They had to scramble to get it on iTunes. Um, so you're right. I mean, that the line is 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 definitely blurry in that sense because the other artists on, I think it was um, Arc Music Factory was the people who were behind uh, Friday. I mean, they have tons of artists that make tons of music videos. Do those all, are those considered proper music videos? I would say yes, but another person may say no. Uh, do you know who uh, Courtney Stodden is? She is the um, God, 17-year-old bride of the guy from who was on, had like a bit part on Lost. Right. Now, so, uh, you know, it's even further blur that line. Like, she wants to be a pop star, and uh, so she makes these little music videos that are significantly have significantly less production value are treated significantly less like a real music video shoot um but she's you know she's calling it her official music video or whatever you you know what i mean and so you know and what's the difference between her and rebecca black you know if you're a if you're a bot you know if you're a rich guy and your child is turning 13 uh, and they want to do a rap video, why wouldn't you go to the place Rebecca Black went, went to if you're able to afford it? Um, so, I don't know. We, we, I guess I guess the line is us, Adam. That could be the line. Because we're just like throwing names out there at that point. I mean, Courtney Stodden, I mean, I just, I just was like trying to talk about her. But uh, You she, always find a way to bring up Courtney Stodden. But she finds relevance in this conversation in in, in a in, in a really great way. Um, but so yeah, that's it. I guess that's that's the point we've come to is that the line is us. If your if your music videos on our site, you you made a music video. <laughs> How's that for a self fulfilling prophecy? When on that note, I believe it's time for a little interview action to bring somebody else else in on this action. Somebody to somebody to save us from uh <laughs> save please save us from ourselves, and who other who else to do it better than Mr. Thomas McMahon, who I I um mentioned at the beginning of this podcast as a uh, music direct, video director uh mentioned at, four times at the beginning of this podcast exactly because- uh, a uh, animator um uh, designer. And uh, he has done uh, one music video, The Science of Imaginary Solutions for Auto Lux, which is an animated music video. And like I mentioned before, was the lead designer and animator on the 2010-2011 VMAs, MTV Music Video Awards, the 83rd Oscars, and the Country Music Awards. So without further ado, here's uh, our interview with Thomas McMahon. My name is Thomas McMahon, and uh, I'm a director, animator, and designer. And, you know, when we talk to, uh, you know, music video directors on the podcast, a lot of people have an idea in their head of what a director of, like, a live-action music video does, because um, they uh-huh. have an idea of what a director does. Yeah, you know, yeah, what, yeah. Is an, what does an animation director do to somebody who's never really heard that term? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a completely different beast than doing live action, and um, it's you know, it's really it's um, you know, it's just finding a good team of people to work with that uh, can help you cover all the bases of the production. You know, it's uh, and with the Autolux video, it was finding um, you know, my editor Joe Dank, who is an amazing editor. Having him on board was amazing because he just like really helped out with blocking out timings and stuff, and then. Um, you know, doing the, the character model, um, we had uh, um, Jeff Dietrich do that, and he, um, you know, it's just, it's really just finding the the right people to fill the um, fill the team up with. And um, I guess the directing part is just kind of you know getting everybody on board to go to that singular vision that you're trying to accomplish. You know, 
And for that singular, singular vision, you mentioned the Auto Lux, the Science of Imaginary Solutions video, um, which is really, I mean, it's a really breathtaking sort of visual uh, experience for a music video. And, you know, it's it's based off the, you know, illustrations or art of, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Mark Whalen, um, yeah, yeah. an Australian um, artist. How did that collaboration start and how did, um, how much was he involved in, in that process? Well, um, I guess uh, it started from, uh, he is roommates with one of my um, uh, friends that I actually, I used to have a screen printing studio in downtown LA um, and I shared it with uh, these guys called Death Kills that run like a, a Los Angeles art collective. And uh, I think I just went over there one night and I met Mark and uh, we just started kind of chopping it up. And then I think it was he had an opening at Mary Karnowski. And after that opening, we went to a bar and we got pretty blitzed together. <laughs> and I think I said, oh, man, I could I, we could totally animate your stuff. And uh it was one of those things. You wake up the next morning, and you're like, "Oh, how, what did I promise to do last <laughs> night?" And he uh, called me out on it, which is pretty rare. Most people just kind of go, "Oh, that guy was drunk talking about stuff last night." But yeah, and then uh, from there, he got Carla on board from Autolux, and uh, uh, that was pretty much it, you know. And you know, what elements did you have to? You know, a lot of the elements you can you can clearly see in the art. That are transferred to the to the video, like the you know the people, their heads with the the grids on it. Uh-huh. Um, what elements did you have to uh, invent to make it work uh, visually? Well, I mean, we basically started completely from scratch in three D, but we we took high res scans of most of Mark's works and extrapolated elements from there to kind of create like the grid textures of the floor and um, you know texturing on the bodies and uh, the grids on the heads and all that stuff. But most of the, the 3D shapes and stuff were created from scratch. Um, that way we could kind of like move our camera around them and have that sense of perspective and depth in it. And you mentioned that uh, Jeffrey uh, Dietrich was a 3D character model on yeah. the project. So basically what I had Mark do is I had Mark do a five-point uh, turn drawing. And then I gave that to Jeff. And Jeff, based upon that, created the model. Um, and a 3D program called Mudbox. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, what do you, what kind of the uh, you know tools of the trade are the things that you know you uh, you know like to use on a regular basis that you that are your standards? Uh huh. Um, well, basically, the 3D program I used was Cinema 4D, which is not really used for things like this. It's mainly like motion graphics, kind of like the VMA stuff that you saw on my website. It's kind of more stuff like that. Um, it's not really used too much for storytelling, but it's starting to get to the point where it's getting powerful enough to where you can do stuff like that. And um, having, um, I had uh, the model uh, rigged in skin by this dude named Cactus Dan. Um, I think his real name's Dan Liebich or something like that, but everybody knows him as Cactus Dan. Um, and he just, he created this amazing rig and uh, skinned the character to where it was just so simple to control and really easy and just streamline the project. Um, so with, you know, people like him and the, the uh, programmers for uh, Maxon that create Cinema 4D, it's, it's becoming more and more powerful to where you can focus on storytelling as opposed to cutting corners on how to make it look good. And, you know, you mentioned the storytelling aspect of it. Uh, Wired on their Underwire blog, um, you know, posted the the video a few weeks ago, and and they mentioned sort of we can't figure out the storyline of this. Uh-huh. Is it, hey. it, is, it um, is it meant to be an, a narrative uh, structure, or is it meant to be something that's more you know uh, uh, visual? Well, and, and I think. It's kind of a combination. It's like, you know, I wanted there to be like a just uh, kind of through line of, you know, kind of um, creation and destruction almost, you know. And uh, But I wanted to keep it pretty loose and abstract. I mean, the brief that was given to me by Autolux was to create an abstract uh, view of humanity. Um, so I definitely <laughs> wanted to keep it, you know, real. Just, you know, I wanted to give it a lot of really great moments and beautiful moments. But I wanted there to be kind of a sense of, um, you know the, these these things creating something and then that kind of not working out and failing um, 
So, which is kind of like humanity, right? That's right. That's a very open creative brie- creative briefing. Yeah, totally. Um, anytime you get a creative briefing with humanity in it, um, <laughs> if you lines, it's uh, it's open interpretation. Um, but yeah, yeah no, right? I can definitely see that. You know, there's these these um, this great sequence where the um, you know this ball moves through the different planes through holes and things like that. Um, and uh-huh. they're de- even though you know the visual style is really you know consistent throughout, there are all these really memorable moments, which is something that. You know, in in what we've seen is kind of been lacking in animation video. There's these, you know, there's a little bit of a lack of those iconic, not iconic, but really memorable moments. How did how did you guys, you know, um, plan it out to to create those, you know, these really memorable visual elements? Well, I mean, I think it's it's basically just like you know, um, I, I think what happens a lot of time when people do like kind of. Um, music videos like kind of in 3D and animation is they just kind of do eye candy stuff and that stuff's all cool but I think what helped with this video is we really focused on pre-production I mean we wrote the script to the song which was really challenging because the song isn't your typical you know break into pop song where you could just go it has you know it builds up it breaks down so many times within the uh, structure of it that it's not it's hard to kind of you know, just jump into it and just animate a story. You got. I kind of wanted to really write to the build and breakdowns of the song, um, and then from there we created. Uh, we did storyboarding. Uh, me, myself, and Mark did that. And then um, after we do the storyboards, I scan them and then I ship them over to uh, my editor Joe Dank, and he cut it together based on the script and the song. And uh, then from there, we go into the animatic phase, which is our basic wireframe animation mode, just to kind of get our timings really locked down and the look and feel of it. Um, And then from there, uh, once you get your animatic locked, you have every single frame accounted for. You can uh, go into rendering. That way, you're not wasting any time rendering out extra frames. because we rendered it all through one machine, which was pretty insane. So it was, uh, yeah, you know, pre-production, I think, was key into giving it those memorable moments. And uh, another thing that you, you've you done that, that, that makes your work especially relevant to our site is that you were the lead designer and animator on the VMAs in 2010. And this led to, just led to you doing the same for the Country Music Awards and the Academy Awards, and then again with the VMAs in 2011. Um, I wonder if you could first just tell us kind of how this opportunity came about. Um, I mean, this opportunity came about by, uh, I was freelancing, um, just doing freelance animation at um, the studio called Imaginary Forces here in Los Angeles. And, um, one of the directors there, his name is Grant Lau, who's one of my good friends and kind of a mentor to me. Um, he, uh, excuse me, he was uh, he was working on the project for the uh, MTV, and he he just knew it was kind of that was my style, and so he got me on board for um, doing the 2010 uh, awards. And then from there, we are working. Um, the screens producer for MTV is this guy. His name is Lee Lodge. And then from there, I think we just kind of developed a good relationship with him, and he liked our style and uh, our attitude. And um, so, yeah, it just kind of it led to we did the VMAs, and then right after that, we did the Country Music Awards, and then right after that, we did the Academy Awards, and then it was right back to the VMAs again. So it was like almost a year's worth of continuous work just from um, working on that. And what kind of what kind of direction did you get? from MTV uh, for the work and 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 in, in the same part like I guess how does that compare to the direction that you got from the country music awards and, and the other award shows was it was it different well I mean with MTV it's always different because they it's not your typical award show with because with the country music awards and the um, Academy Awards it was make it look glittery and beautiful and timeless I mean that was our pretty much our brief and so he kept the Lee Lodge kept coming into the studio and going glitter 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 and when you haven't glittered it enough glitter it more so that was that was pretty much the brief for those two but with MTV I think the 2010s um, he referenced Citizen Kane and I think the uh, the main title of that film where it's just the big iconic bold typography that says Citizen Kane which is also assimilated into I guess the um, 
Lady Gaga video for Alejandro, if you've seen that, you know, in the beginning, it just mm -hmm. says Alejandro, just big, bold in the front. So he kind of gave us that as the, um, as the brief. So we just wanted to use type. So we kind of used the type as like a window and as just like, you know, um, a bold graphic imagery to carry the package throughout the uh, show. And, you know, in both of the graphics packages that you put together for the 2010 and 2011, there's, you know, elements of music videos in there. How much do the, does the visual style of, element of the videos from that year that are nominated shape what you guys are doing? Well, I mean, in the 2010, it really didn't at all. Um, it was just basically we kind of just used um, pieces of it to, um, well, we just, we, we edited the videos together for the award categories and uh, then we just uh, overlaid type on top of it. So it wasn't really integral to the design. But in the 2011 ones, we actually, each video category, you know, it has like five um, nominees. So each nominee edit would lead into the next one. So we, it was, we would use the last frame of the the um, you know award nominee one to go into award nominee two and so they are really it's we we just try to tie together as much as possible and make every transition um, into the videos as unique as possible. And you know the MTV logo is such an you know they, they've changed it a little bit over the years, but it's such an iconic logo. Um, do you, you know, was it interesting sort of work, you know, working with that material, something that's so well known to everybody? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, working for MTV is always cool. Um, uh, it's, you know, they always give a pretty much open brief. But yeah, I mean, MTV, you know, as if you're, you know, I'm 29. So I grew up, you know, when I was young, just glued to the TV watching it, you know. Um, so to work for it and do um, cool creative stuff is, you know, it's it's awesome. And you've done a lot of a variety of different styles of work for different goals, I'd say. Like, uh, you know, some some have been for big corporate clients um, like MTV and, and Nike and then and then other, you know, more, you know, kind of more natural kind of work for, for art galleries and stuff like that. Is there is there a different approach to each or is it more kind of the same the same throughout? Well, I mean, it, it all depends, really. Um, I mean, with corporate clients, you know, you really have to just, um, I, I guess the uh, progression of the project is a little bit different. But with art galleries and doing installations and stuff like that, it's really kind of, uh, it's more loose-based. It's not as hectic. You know, it's, it's more fun and just uh, enjoying the creation of it, you know. With co corporate clients, it's you know it's usually just for the money and um, you know to get the bread and butter, so you can do these kind of gallery installations and stuff like that. You know, it's usually you know the gallery stuff. There's no money in that for video artists. You know, it's there's you know you have to pay for the projectors, you have to pay for the people to come to install the stuff. You have to take time off to create the content for that. So it's like there's you know there's no. <laughs> um, there's nothing at the end of the rainbow for you really doing that stuff. It's just kind of just to be passionate about what you do. Does that mean that the success is also measured differently between a corporate client's project and a, a project that's that's more natural? Um, I don't know. I think yeah, I mean obviously I'm probably I'm more proud of everything I've done, you know, that's not corporate, you know. Like the I feel like the corporate stuff really um it starts to uh, it loses its soul a little bit in the process, you know. You kind of start with a grand vision of stuff, and it gets dubbed down to what the, you know, CEO of the company wants. So it can really, and uh, you know, it kind of takes a lot away from it sometimes. But when you do your own stuff, um, you know, there's nobody saying they want to change this or they want to change that or make the logo bigger or anything like that. So I feel, you know, definitely a lot more pride in doing that kind of stuff. So what side of that would you put uh, this music video? Uh, this definitely would be on the non-corporate side for sure. But is 100%. Uh, are there are there elements though in a in um you know when you're when you're doing something that's with somebody else's name attached to it like a music video is where they're uh you know being trying to be creatively involved as well where otherwise they wouldn't be you know on, on a project that just came from you. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, for sure, they definitely want to have like a high standard of stuff. But I mean, with working with Autolux, you know, and mainly uh, Carla Azar, the drummer, she just really, I mean, from the beginning, just loved everything and gave me just you know a hundred percent creative control over it. And uh, and Mark was, you know, he loved everything along the way as well. So it was really just kind of you know like me pushing myself to make it as good as possible. On your site, you have a few other. Um you know, visual works, you know, motion works that have uh, music that goes along with them. Uh-huh. Um, like the projective uh, test video as well as nature versus technology. Was that a situation where, um, you know, you, you came up with a visual concept and then concept and executed and then put music in there afterwards? Or was the yeah, music sort yeah. of informed by it? No, no, those were all just, it was, um, a lot of it was just kind of tests I did. Like the projective test was... Um, this test I did years ago, and um, it was just for like a little gallery installation that I was working on. And uh, so that was, I just kind of did that, and in the gallery there was no music, so it was, that was just like a silent piece. And then when I put it online, I just wanted to cut some music to it. So I used, um, I think it was a fuck button song. I actually used fuck buttons for both of those pieces. Um, and there goes yeah. our explicit tag. No, oh, kidding. really? Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we have an explicit tag on pretty much every one of our podcasts. So. Oh, right, um, right. <laughs> um, Adam's really proud of that. He I am very proud of that. <laughs> yeah. we, well, we can bleep it out. That's fine. No, no, no. We, can keep, we can keep it PG. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that Doug and I really loved, because we're both a huge fans of stock photography, and uh-huh. we really wanted to ask about is the business is business, because uh-huh. um, said to the, you know, the music by Clams Casino. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, where did, I just uh, you know really want to know where this came from. Well, it was funny. I uh, when I first got out of college, I went and worked at this studio that was really not very good. And uh, when I left there, I stole all of their stock shit. And they had this <laughs> stock folder of just the wor- it was just like the worst '90s stuff. Just like guys on cell phones pointing at charts and shit and stuff like that. So I always wanted to do something with it. And um, my friend Jay Howell was. Um, he was curating a uh, art show down in San Diego, and he wanted me to be a part of it. And so I was like, "Fuck, what am I gonna do?" So I uh, I started digging through all my stuff, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, these this that folder of the the business stock people from the '90s. Like, you gotta do something with that." So I just kind of experimented with a bunch of techniques of just like morphing the people together and just like the slow degradation of them. Um, so yeah, and then just like cut it together and just made an interesting piece out of it. Well, the internet is better for it. It's it's beautiful. Uh, uh, just thanks. Said. <laughs> but I wanted to go back to the MTV Music Video Awards for um, for a minute and, and ask, um, you know, the the visual design of the stage, and you know the 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 stagecraft that goes along with the awards is you, you know usually pretty closely tied in with the the graphic elements of, you know, the yeah. bumpers and things. How much um, involvement do you, do you have with with the stage design? Um, we have a zero involvement in that. It's basically, they create the stage and then give it to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we just have those templates to work with. Um, but, I mean, it's, you know, we always, the um, Lee Lodge, who we work with, he always wants to keep in mind, you know, the shape and contour of the stage to kind of work with it. So when you look at, like, the... Um, 2011 uh, VMAs. You can see like there's kind of a main uh, screen in the center of the stage, which is kind of a kind of a triangle shape. So we created kind of these triangle shaped vortexes to, that kind of looped over a minute or whatever, and uh, they work to the contours of that shape. You mm-hmm. know, so it's kind of you know we they they just give it to us and then we work with that in our style. You know, and does the uh, um, you know director of design for you know and design and animation for the mtv music video awards get a ticket to set award ceremony yeah we've gone to all of them i i haven't well we didn't get to go to the academy awards um and the country music awards were in nashville so we didn't get to go to those but i've been to both vmas so it's been pretty cool and, and what, we get we get backstage passes too so we get to wander around and you know get a, you know celebrities everywhere and stuff so it's uh, an interesting thing to look at and you know, did you say you, you so you didn't go to the CMTs or the um, or the Oscars? Have you have you been to other awards shows besides the VMAs? No, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. 
And what is I mean, the... I really just go there because I I worked on it. Um, right. I don't. I really. I don't think I would go if I didn't. Right. It's it... really. It's pretty gro- a gross, uh, kind of disgusting thing. <laughs> In what way? Well, it's just you know. I mean, there's just the like, gross people there and. Um, <laughs> And it's funny, the people that are in, like, the pit down by the stage, those are all hired extras, too, which I came to find out. Um, so those people are all paid to be there, which is pretty interesting. And it's just, I think people buy tickets to go there, and it's, like, $2,000, and those people are just really just, you know, it looked like they've been in a tanning booth for, like, three days or something. And just, you know, it's just uh, not really my thing. I'm more, more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. It is pretty unusual that everyone who stands in that front pit is just a huge fan of every band that performs at the VMAs yeah. ever. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense that they're, they're yeah, paid extras. Yeah, they're getting paid. It's yeah. almost yeah, it's almost like they're getting paid or something. Um, <laughs> and you know, with with an art installation, you know, I I don't know if the actual you know kind of physical, um, you know, displaying of it. it, it would it be fair to say in some ways that's kind of, you know, part of, of, of the art? Um, uh, where it's being displayed at? Or yeah, like where, the, you know, the, the method and, and things in the atmosphere in which it's being displayed. Yeah, I think the atmosphere plays a huge role in doing installation pieces. Do you sometimes, you know, you know have any um, part in or, you know, are, play any role in, the, you know, the way that things are, you know, the physical way that things are, displayed in the theater either you know either in the on the technical side or you know even you know the brightness level of it or or anything like that do you exert any, any control over that um well no it's basically we give it all to a guy who runs it all through a machine and then they sit back there and they just take cues from the director of the award show mm-hmm. to you know play this clip here and this and that so it's once we're done with our side of the graphics and render it out and deliver it to them we're kind of hands off of it at that point right so you know, in terms of you know visual designers, I think pretty much anybody who's turned on TV or seen an award show, seen your work, you know, what is kind of next next for you in the process? I mean, and, you know, a lot of the directors we talk to, they want to do features because they do live action and animation. What is you know, maybe there is no next step because you know you're doing such high profile you know high profile work. Uh, I think, you know, everybody always has a next step, you know. I mean, yeah, features would be amazing, but actually right now that's not what I want to do. I I mean, doing the Autolux piece was, you know, that was the longest format I'd ever worked with and with like a linear storyline or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that was just a huge feat to do in animation. Um, So, I mean, you know, I'd like to do more things like that, you know. I I mean, just making, you know, interesting pieces and storytelling is what I want to do. And whether it's short or long, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm, you know, putting out good creative work that I enjoy creating with the people I enjoy creating it with, I'll be happy. And in terms of storytelling... I mean, is it storytelling in the sense of, you know, like the, the Autolux video where it's more of, I don't want to say metaphorical is a crappy word, but we'll, let's call it that. Or, you know, as opposed to, you know, like a, in a Pixar sense or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to play with both for sure. You know, like I'm right now I'm trying to develop, um, you know, another uh, short that I'm going to be working on. And I definitely wanted to have more of a, uh, you know, linear storyline um, as opposed to kind of the metaphoric- metaphorical abstract storyline. Mm-hmm. And is are do you see more music videos in your future in that sense? Uh yeah, definitely. I I want to you know pursue doing as many of those as possible and just get more and more experience working on those. Um, yeah. Can the music, the a world of music video animation needs you. That's uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, do you watch a lot of music videos? Is that something that is kind of part of your 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 visual intake? Yeah, you know, I, I used to a lot. I mean, I what really got me into doing what I do today is um, when I was in college, I actually originally went to college to do sound engineering, but I switched into motion graphics, thank God, which was the best decision I ever made. Um, but when I was in college, my friend had the uh, DVD set of Spike Jones, Michelle Gondry, and Chris Cunningham. Mm, nice. and. And those three DVDs, I I like watch them every day for you know two years, and they just you know just Chris Cunningham and Michelle Gondry mostly because of the way they did you know visual effects and um, live action were just so mind blowing to me, and the way it worked with the music, just I just loved it so much. 
Um, but as of recently, um, I, you know, I do, I watch stuff, you know, I see what's going on out there. I'm not like as much of a hound for it as I used to be as a, you know, younger adult, but you know, I still try to keep up with what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. And do you, I mean, do you, do you like what you see in terms of animation or, or do you, do you have any opinion on where that is or where it's going? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there is a lot of, I mean, it's just with the, um, Ability to do stuff on your own, you know, in your own place, you know, with, um, you know, minimal overhead. I think it's kind of creating, you know, people are able to create stuff with not a huge budget, you know. Um, so I think it's going to definitely push things a lot. Um, like, and, you know, like the people, uh, what's that director's name? Um, he directed the Justice video for Civilization and he did the, um, I think it was the Massive Attack videos. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but he, it was all fully graphic CG videos that were just amazing and beautiful. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of people just, you know, being able to push the, push it and create stuff. I love, I always, not to harp too much on the M M VMAs, but I always loved the VMAs. I think that out of all the award shows, they put on the best show. Um, and, uh, you know, saying that at the end of... You just, oh, you just like them because they let Mike Myers host. I don't think I saw that one. There was a few years where I just, one. Like in college, when I didn't. I didn't see them, but I always try to. I always try to ch check it out um, and and watch it because. So you, you love the VMAs. You love Mike Myers. You've never. I don't love Mike Myers. What are you talking about? I mean, you love Mike Myers. You're saying it just because he's Tell Canadian. Me. It's a little I'm racist. Not saying, I'm not saying it because it's Canadian. I'm saying it because you love Mike Myers. Tell me you don't love Sprockets. Okay, well that's like 20 years ago. <laughs> You are the only one in the world who loves sprockets. That's not true. All right. Uh, that was a great interview. Uh, Thomas was awesome and um, really interesting because I am looking forward to his work for the MTV Movie Awards coming up uh, soon. Uh, he mentioned that he can't mention too much about it, but I'm looking forward to that because it's, you know, as many people have uh, commented on for, you know, last weekend's Oscars. The award show format needs some shaking up. The Oscars have, have tried to shake it up, uh, you know, in the past before a little bit, but I, they just didn't get it done this time. Uh, and it was a very boring, painfully boring show. But anyway, uh, looking forward to that. Should we do our picks? Yes, 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 we should. Yes. Nice. Yeah, I, I sense go. kind of a panic on, on your end. I, I sense that you're going to... A request that I do my my pick first. No, you're so wrong. Yeah, go ahead. You're first. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. I'll go first. Um, my pick of the week. <coughs> Sorry, you need to edit that out. It's, it's fine. Uh, my pick of the week, um, is by an artist uh named Courtney Stodden, and the song <laughs> is called the song is called uh, "Don't Put It On Me." Uh, you may. You may have heard of Courtney Stodden. Um, uh, most recently, when Adam and I were just speaking about her a few minutes ago, um, this music video uh, has 3.6 million views, um, 1,900 likes, and 56,000 dislikes. Um, it is uh, very in your face at the beginning. Her name is in big, bold, white letters uh, before the music even starts. And then um, the video begins. You put your mute on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, instead of pausing the video, I hit mute uh, because I was so distracted by the spectacle. Um, on the screen. Uh, the video begins with a uh, plastic looking adolescent, uh, a 
supposedly adolescent, I mean, I don't know if she's really 17, uh, woman, lady, girl, in all pink, uh, with a dog with pink hair, and she is shouting at the camera uh, with a giant phallic uh, pink beverage, probably frozen. And um, just a quick, you don't even, I wouldn't even really suggest uh, actually watching this video. <laughs> and, uh, and, and as you can tell, I didn't play the song beneath it because no one would listen to it. Uh, I mean, it's tough to watch even with like a skinny plastic blonde girl on screen, but it's even more difficult to just listen to on its own. So um, uh, you're welcome for not playing that beneath beneath me talking um but uh i it was uh just a really appropriate video and for some reason people like 98 percent of the people really really hate courtney stodden as uh it should be um but there is a small percentage of people who actually like support her for whatever reason and um I think we should try to get get one of those people on the podcast. It's another third open invitation, Courtney Stodden supporters. Courtney Stodden supporters. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's my pick of the week, sort of. Courtney Stodden, don't put it on me. So for my pick of the week, I, I've been, I love bad. You know, everybody loves bad stuff, right, Doug? You you, you like to laugh at it. Um, I love it. And this one is just. I can't believe we haven't mentioned this music video before because I was kind of thinking thinking of awful music videos and and this one to me is is the the tops. Uh, David Bowie, Mick Jagger, both cool guys. Would you agree? Oh, are you really going for it? I'm really going for it. I would agree that those are both very two two very cool guys. So I started watching this music video a few days ago, a few times, just because somebody mentioned it in conversation, and I thought, oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. Is it really as bad as I remember it? And it totally is. This is David Bowie and Mick Jagger dancing in the street, um, 1985, directed by David Mallet. And th- there have been a few cases of music videos where... Uh, there's been male male dancing where the, the males have disowned it afterwards and claimed that they were taking direction and, and just didn't really know what they were doing because they've been embarrassed by it. I don't know if this is a case of this video, um, but this features uh, David Bowie and um, <laughs> Big Jagger is some sort of warehouse dock thing. And they're just, the entire video is just them singing and dancing. I guess the thought around it is... You know, these two guys are world superstars. In 1985, these guys were untouchable. And, well, maybe not Mick Jagger so much, but, but David Bowie's a legend. And especially in 1985, we thought, we'll just put them in, in a warehouse together and just let them do their thing. And the thing that they did was some of the just goofiest, most awful mugging for the camera dance move stuff that you've ever seen in your life for three minutes and nine painful seconds. And this is one of the things that's completely indescribable. Um, you know, there's the Moves Like Jagger video where, uh, you know, the, the Maroon 5 Moves Like Jagger music video where the music video is basically a, a, a lot of people doing an impression of Mick Jagger. And the whole thing is, there's like stock footage of him and things like that. And the whole idea is, oh, Mick Jagger, isn't he cool? That You know, he's got all these cool dance moves. Well, the people who are just growing up now born in the early 80s or mid 80s like me and you who have never seen this need to be educated about what things were like in this era and if they're watching you know moves like Jagger and thinking wow Mick Jagger look at the way these moves everybody wants to move like Mick Jagger there's a whole goddamn song about it and you really really need to educate yourself and and see this video it's one of the I'd say in the top 10 music videos that people really need to see to have a cool complete picture inform yourself Inform yourself, yes. This is not about entertainment. This is about information. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that brings us to the end of our, our 30-second episode of the Music Video Podcast, Doug. Do you agree? This was only 30 seconds?
is the beaver. It's gonna be. I'm just gonna go by the beaver from now on. It's the beaver. So tell me, Thomas. Tell me about this interview, this uh, music video you did. A rocket and the beaver. I'm sorry. <laughs> a bomb. I guess a bomb makes more sense. Yeah. A bomb and the beaver. That's good. A-